0: Welcome to the Waymaker Fireside Chat Podcast, where our purpose is to grow your life and change the world. In this episode, we sit down with Lisa Wardell. Lewis Carr is the founder of Waymaker, the Lewis Carr Internship Foundation, the Blueprint Men's Summit, president of media sales at BET Networks, and author of Dirty Little Secrets. Lisa Wardell is the executive chairman at Adilum Global Education, an organization that provides education to diverse communities. Today, she'll be discussing her career journey, the importance of education, and how Agilum is meeting the needs of communities internationally. Let's get started.
1: Hi, I'm Lewis Carr I am the founder of Waymaker, and today on our Waymaker Fireside Chat, we have the privilege of talking to Lisa Wardell, Chairman, exec, I'm sorry, Executive Chairman of Adeline uh how do you let's start this over lisa do you guys say Adam companies or how do you uh
2: say that it's ad talum global education ad talum
1: ad talum i'm gonna ask you where did that name come from
2: okay please do it's a great story
1: (laughs) all right starting all over again hi i'm lewis carr and i'm the founder of Waymaker. and today on the waymaker five side chat we have the pleasure of speaking to Lisa Wardell, Executive Chairman. Start all over. <laughs> all right. Hi, I'm Lewis Carr, and I am the founder of Waymaker. And today on the Waymaker Fireside Chat, we have the privilege of talking to Lisa Wardell, Executive Chairman of Adalum Companies.
2: Right?
0: Yes, that's it. At town education. Okay. You got yeah. it.
1: Try it again. Adolin Companies. All right. Hi, I'm Lewis Carr. I am the founder of Waymaker. And today on the Waymaker Fireside Chat, we have the privilege of talking to Executive Chairman Lisa Wardell of Adolin Companies. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you,
2: Lewis. Thanks for having me.
1: Oh, uh, it's my privilege. So, I must tell our listening audience that we are friends. We've known each other for a very, very long time yeah. since your early days at BET. So, it is a real privilege to have the opportunity to talk to you today about your journey and also uh, the things we share in common. Uh, one of both of our Waymakers, Bob Johnson.
2: That's exactly right. Excited to be here.
1: Great. So Lisa, tell us about the company that you have run and that you are executive chairman. So everything from that name to the many uh, sort of businesses that you guys sort of have under that name.
2: Yeah, sure. So at Talum Global Education at its core, we are an education company that provides education to diverse communities. So we do education in medical and healthcare and we produce physicians, nurses, social workers, all of those folks who are solving really hard uh, workplace and workforce staffing solutions in healthcare. And we do that with lots and lots of graduates who are diverse. Uh, we, we graduate the most black physicians as an example of any other school in the country every single year. But the story of Ad Talum, uh, some folks may remember uh, a, a company DeVry University Um, DeVry was the legacy of Ad Talum. We we divested of DeVry to focus on those schools that really drive healthcare education. And Ad Talum means to empower in Latin and we needed a new name. So we did a contest across all of our employees and whoever won got $5,000 and someone came up with, hey, we are here to empower people to reach their career journeys and their education dreams. And that's how we got at Talim about uh, 2017, so a little over four years ago uh, when I became the CEO, a little bit after that.
1: Now, DeVry's mission was a little different. They kind of focus on technology and infrastructure and things like that. So how yeah. did you guys get into the medical
2: yeah, that's right. And DeVry still does, and they do that really well. And in fact, DeVry's history is that they did that for veterans coming back from uh, World War II, um, uh, quite some decades ago. Uh, ago. And that uh, mission remains just as important as we know um, today for vets. Um, we had. As DeVry Education Group bought uh, a nursing school, Chamberlain University, uh, and two medical schools, Ross and AUC. And those schools were growing uh, at quite a clip. Chamberlain started um, as a one campus, and because of the need for nurses across this entire country, uh, we now have 23 campuses um, and and, uh, over 30,000 students, both online um, and on campus. Same with the medical schools. So if you think about medical education in general and physicians. We all know how difficult it is, right, to get in with a primary care provider. Let me give you a couple of a couple of stats. So um, for medical school uh, students, for prospective students, there are over 20,000 each and every year who apply and do not get a spot. Uh, of those, um, you know, over, over half are more than qualified um, to get into school. And that has to do with just the scarcity of spots for MD um, degrees. And so at our Ross and AUC schools, we're able to sit classes of 600 plus. Um, and as an example, last year, 980 students uh, graduated from those two schools and came into the US healthcare system in residency. So what we're doing um, and our mission, why we, we move from the divide technology is um, scale, really providing healthcare at scale, because as you know, it's our communities, black and brown communities that do not receive the same number of healthcare workers per capita as other communities.
1: And is this mostly served domestically or do you have international students who also participate in the program?
2: Yeah, sure. We have both. Um, And so most of our doctors and veterinarians will come back in about 90 percent will um, serve and practice here in the US, about 10% Canada. Um, and actually little, little under that because we have a, a few that do practice uh, all over the world. Uh, we have students from, from Africa, from Asia, et cetera, uh, who come to go through that US residency um, training and then uh, and then practice. So yeah, very diverse student group Um, uh, across all of those uh, uh, schools. And then for the nursing schools, we have both Walden University and Chamberlain University, and they really are um, quite, um, lots here in the US, but quite international in terms of the students who are attracted to the programs.
1: That's great. Well, Lisa, you've had one of the most successful corporate careers that anybody can think of. You've worked for the FCC, you've worked for the consultant uh, Accenture, you've worked in private equity, you've been a COO, you've been a CEO. I mean, you've been pretty successful, girl. So so what would you say is the fundamental uh, things in your career that sort of helped you?
2: Yeah, well, we have to start. We're, we're on the Waymaker P- P- podcast, so we'll start there, right? You had mentioned uh, Bob Johnson, and and maybe I'll rewind a little bit earlier than that. But you know, even my first uh, role out of the uh, out of law school with the FCC, uh, I worked for a gentleman named Bill Kennard, and Bill was the um, general counsel at the time. He went on to become, um, you know, the, the the commissioner of the FCC. Uh, I, but- I didn't know
1: you worked for Bill Kennard, Lisa. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm learning myself.
2: I worked for Bill Kennard and I tell this story um, uh, all the time because I'd come out of law school and and he suggested I go to business school. And I'm not sure if that was because I was such a bad attorney um, because I worked for him as a lawyer in the general counsel's office or if he saw something in me uh, in and around deals and negotiating and things like that. And he actually wrote a recommendation, personal recommendation for me uh, to go to Wharton. um, And and I did that. And just just a couple of years ago, I I sent him a note and said, when I became CEO, Five years ago or so, and said, "You know, look, look what you started." Um, so I think um, between uh, Bill's influence, um, uh, you know, folks that 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 have helped me along the way, many of many of the BET, um, you know, legends, Debra Lee, et cetera, And then of course, going to work for Bob uh, when he decided that he was gonna take on this second act and do something post-BET that allowed, and this has really shaped my career, that allowed um, diverse people, Black, African-Americans to break barriers in different industries. And so he picked, of course, the really hard ones, financial services, started a private equity fund with Carlisle, no less, Um, banking, um, hedge funds, uh, real estate, with Tom Baltimore, and I really watched him do that. And so, um, you know, it's been full circle for me to then become a public company CEO. Um, At the time, uh, Ursula Burns had just retired, so the only um, African-American woman. uh, Since then, thankfully, there have been several um, that have come and and, and are running a large public companies, but um, all of that um, sort of building on that, uh, that start with the RLJ companies. So, uh,
1: Lisa, you you, you you mentioned your degrees, and, and a good friend of mine, Hill Harper, uh, I introduced him once upon a time, and he had so many degrees on his yeah. bio, I thought it was wrong. <laughs> yes. And so <laughs> when I introduced him, I, I said, if this is wrong, guys, you know, forgive me, but this is what they gave mm-hmm. you Yes. And he talked about that it gave him Options, he said. I do a job that you don't need a high school diploma to do, but the degrees give me options. Can you comment on that and and why you have the degrees like that?
2: Yeah, and you know, um, he has such a great story that, that that's a perfect example to use. I w- I would say um, two things, right? So uh, when I talk about my schooling and my degrees, um, it actually also ties back to why I work at Ad Talent. So I went to public uh, public high school in Oxon Hill, Maryland, Prince George's County. Not a lot of folks going from that school, not a high percentage going to college. But um, I applied to Vassar College. Um, I tell the story all the time. So pe- some people have heard it. I applied in pencil. Neither of my parents went to college. Uh, my brother didn't go to college. He's older than me. I didn't know there were all sorts of things and fancy things you could do. Obviously the process is a little more streamlined. That was that was decades ago. Um, but someone obviously saw something in my application. I got into Vassar, I went to Vassar. And actually at Vassar, I learned to do the things that really you need to know either before you go to college or after. And that is to think analyti- analytically and to write and be able to uh, write and analyze both sides of an argument. I did not know that when I went to college um, mo- Many students do, I did not. Um, what VASA then provided for me was options to to, to Hill's point. Um Uh, for the following degrees. So then it became increasingly less difficult for me to go to Stanford. Uh, I went to Stanford Law. I mean, no easy task, obviously a robust curriculum. Uh, But then from there, um, after working, as I mentioned with Bill Kennard to to the Wharton School of Business at the University of Pennsylvania. I mentioned that because it it is a wonderful story and I'm glad to be telling it today. The problem with that story is that it works for the eight students, black students, that get into Vassar or or Amherst or Harvard or whatever the case may be, um, but it needs to work at scale, right? We need two hundred thousand students across all of our land grant universities in Chicago State and, and 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 you know all of our HBCUs and HSI's and we and um, the organizations um, that that we have at Ad Talent in order for this dream to really work. Um, so it does give you optionality. Education is absolutely. Absolutely, the key to, you know, I, I would say all of the problems um, that we all encounter. Uh, and, and that is why it's such a travesty. That's it's a scarcity in our communities. And, um, you know, one of the things that Talum is doing is really partnering with HBCUs and HSIs to say, you know, after that undergrad degree, help us really channel people who have dreams of being doctors and veterinarians and everything else into these systems because what happens is um, they, they, they reach a place where they don't have optionality and that, that's what we're trying to break.
1: I'm gonna make an assumption, Lisa, when I ask this question. What has been some of the challenges as a black woman climbing the corporate ladder? I'm just making an assumption that there's yes. been a few challenges. <laughs>
2: Yeah, a a few challenges. Absolutely. I mean, the first challenge um, is also the the greatest strength. Um, So for for those uh, Black women, young Black women, Black men who are out there, um, if you don't remember anything else from today, remember this. Um, The greatest challenge is the constant underestimation of your skills, your intellect, and your impact. Um, But uh, as I mentioned, that is also uh, a really great strength because each and every time you go out there and perform um, the way that your your non-Black peers or your non-female peers perform, um, people are surprised and, uh, uh, you know, you get benefits from that. So I, I would say that's the first. Everything from um, understanding of, you know, financial and audit and, 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 and you know, um, financial expert type things to, um, you know, can you manage and communicate effectively in a boardroom? Uh, those are all things that get underestimated uh, each and every time. Um, so I think that that's one. Uh, I think the second is I, I, I hit... Um, again, when I started in 2016 in the CEO role, I had been uh, Bob Johnson's COO for over 12 years. And I was overly confident when I took the CEO role because for anyone who knows Bob Johnson, you know, there could not possibly be anything harder than working for Bob Johnson every single day. <laughs> like, I was like, this is, I, it's a cakewalk. Like I am going to just be on vacation because nothing can be harder than living up to Bob Johnson's expectations. What what, what what was difficult was that um, then you're sort of carrying the banner for everyone. And folks would say to me, we're so excited that we have a Black female CEO. What are you going to do for the Black women? What are you going to do for the women? And I would say every time I remember talking to Ken Frazier about this, he was CEO of Mark at the time, I'm going to do the same thing that all of what my white male peers who are CEOs of public companies are going to do. I'm going to make the numbers. I'm going to make earnings. I'm going to make operating income. I'm going to make EPS and I'm going to be able to talk to the shareholders about how I am driving value. Because if I don't, um, I won't get to have, you know, the retreat to help, you know, young black women and and help people get on boards and do all of these other things because um, the, the demands of the black executive and, 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 and you all know um, at BET and other places are just different. Um, and, and you got to be able to pull people back into what matters at the end of the day is not just shareholder performance you have other stakeholders we've seen that more than ever over the last couple of years right with the social justice and all of these things our customers our stakeholders our employees are demanding that we care about more than money and I, I, I applaud that that's a good thing but there's not many CEOs who get to not care about money and stick around. And so that balance, I think, is the other big challenge that we face. And, and you just got to make sure you've got someone there to help you stay grounded on that every day.
1: So we hear this term, Lisa, show up as your authentic self. I got a little twist on it. I say show up as your authentic best self. Yes. Were you like that. <laughs> Were you able to do that? Uh, through your many jobs and, and, and experiences?
2: Yeah, I would say in general, yes. I like your twist on it. I'm gonna use that from now on. Um, I think I definitely had role models. There are people who role model it exceptionally well. Tashonda Jackson is an example um, at um, TIAA, right? unapologetically, um, but again, those people are always tied to extreme performance, right? Roz Brewer at Walgreens. Well, yeah, she's able to throw, show up authentically now because she literally drove um, as COO of Starbucks, you know, major, major growth and performance across that organization for Kevin Jackson. And so um, I have been able to do that. It, it's it, it's, un- it's, it, it's an unconscious thing for me. So I'll give you an example. I, do an interview uh, for say, you know, I don't know, Wall Street Journal or I'd be have an internal um, town hall and people come up to me. The- first thing they was, they always say to me to this day is, oh, you were so candid. You were so transparent. You were so authentic. And I keep thinking like, well, what did I, did I say anything like secret that I shouldn't have said? So I know that I show up that way. Um, but it is something that you have to really think about to your point, your best self, you're always on. And even, even for, you don't have to be in the CEO seat to always be on, just know people are always watching how you respond, how you show up, you know, how you're after who you treat uh, well is it everybody is it some people um, and, you, and you just have to remember that as you show up authentically but I think the workplace now demands um, that we do do that and I think that's a great thing
1: so Lisa you and I both worked for Bob for a long time what are some of the unique things that you learned from working from Bob uh, we know he's a serial entrepreneur uh, that helped you you uh, in your next job as a CEO,
2: yeah. So I think that the biggest thing uh, with Bob is that he has extremely high demands and expectations of uh, the executives who work for him, um, and I and I say that in a positive way. I say it because it 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 allows this sort of no excuses space where um, you're able to, to, to really grow in yourself and also demand that of others, right? Because as you get to a certain point, really your um, what's valuable about you is obviously your, your your skills, but that's table stakes. What's valuable is can you really spot and assess talent who will also um, you know, have high demands and expectations of themselves and their teams. And if you look at Bob and his legacy, you know, it's just not coincidence, right, that um, Tom Baltimore, who runs a, a public read, and Leslie Hale, who runs our LJ Trust, and 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 me, um, you know, there's only a handful of Black CEOs out there, half of them came through Bob's shop, and not even just CEOs, but really, you know, successful people um, uh, that have come out of the, you, yourself, Deborah Lee, Scott Mills, and others, and so... Um, I think expectations is really one of them. The, the other thing that I tell people all the time is Bob. While he holds those expectations, he also um, allows for initiative. And when you have initiative, you're going to make mistakes. There's just no, there's just no question about it. Um, and I'm not saying that he likes mistakes, but he absolutely will help you learn from those mistakes. Versus, you know, never branch out and do anything. Again. And then I think the third thing with Bob is that um, I I mentioned it in a comment a few minutes ago, but didn't attribute it to him. He treats everybody exactly the same way. I mean, I have been, I have literally been with Bob when we have come out of the Four Seasons and um, they pulled his car around and and the woman has gotten in the back of his car thinking he's the chauffeur, right? And he will, I've been there and I'm just, I'm aghast. And he just says, Hey, this is this, I'm sorry, this is my car, you know. Absolute no indignation, just absolutely um, a response that lets that person really think about their lens, right? Versus um, you know uh, uh, an inappropriate response, and and I've seen them do that. That's just one example, over and over and over. And so um, it has helped me uh, it, because everyone gets frustrated, everyone has bad days, you know. Everyone that has that, you didn't, you got a really bad seat on the on the plane type of thing, um, and it's helped me really m- remember that everybody everybody needs to be treated exactly. And everyone's had a bad day, um, just like I might have.
1: So when you think back, Lisa, uh, what advice do you wish you would have got in your early stages of your career as a, a diverse person and as a woman? What What advice do you wish someone had told you when you were 22, yeah. 23, 24 years old?
2: Yes, yeah, so tons, the first is take networking as a singularly focused piece of your job, not as an aside, not as a, if you're an extrovert, you go. And if you're an introvert, you don't go, but networking, um, as a piece of your career building, take it seriously, have a, have a, you know, spreadsheet or a, a place to organize who you've talked to and follow up and, and, and not in a way that's, Hey, what can this person do for me, do for me, do for me, do for me. But in the networking ecosystem, how do I develop very early on, um, Uh, skills and, and, and things that I can offer. I tell younger people all the time. There's, I always use technology as an example, because it's perfect example. You know, you can go to somebody who you want to mentor you and tell them what Slack is and how to use Slack. They'll, they'll forever be indebted to you, right? Like it's just, it comes just some things that come first nature to you um, uh, can help you in that. So one is taking networking seriously. The other is taking the, 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 The way I got to where I um, am today, in my opinion, is two things. One is taking risks and taking the difficult, messy assignment. Um, It sounds super cool, right, to be CEO of a public company. Um, the bar was low. I mean, there was nowhere to, for the stock to go but up. Uh, and as a result, I was able to triple that stock and you know show performance. I mean, obviously you still have to perform but it's taken on those risky assignments. Marvin Ellis, um, Ellison, and who's now the CEO of Lowe's Fortune 49 uh, company He took on JCPenney at a time that, you know, people thought he was insane to take on JCPenney, CEO or otherwise. So taking on those those big risks um, and and taking a risk, you know, obviously making sure that you understand where your skills are and where they are not uh, for sure. And then I think the final one, um, which is, it's really hard. I can do it now, but I did not do it in my twenties for sure. And maybe not my thirties is seeking and taking constructive feedback. Um, First of all, most feedback is constructive, even if it's, you know, this person just doesn't like me. And so they're picking all these nitpicks. You can still learn from that. Uh, But being able to take feedback and really understand, you know, there are things that you need to change and modify um, and do more of and less of. If you can get that early on, there's the sky is the limit.
1: That's great. So Lisa, I want to go back to education during these two pandemics, uh, COVID and racial injustice in our country, a lot of students of color have just given up, said it's just not worth pushing forward. They've lost motivation, inspiration. What do you say to them during this time? Yeah,
2: What, what I first of all, I would say um, f- from an empathic place, I get it. You know, sometimes it's just, you, you just feel like the, no one is listening um, and, and take time to be gracious to yourself and, and, and think about, gosh, why do I feel that way? And why am I here? There's, there's no question. You can't just say, well, you can't feel that way. You gotta um, march on. At the same time, what I would say is as many students who are, who are just feeling um, like there's just no place to go, um, there are as many students who have been so inspired, um, and, and, and have just demanded that things change. And I would, I would encourage those students, um, to look at, you, you you have no further to go than your, your sort of your favorite brands, if you will. Those brands that we all know have not done a lot for diversity and, and sell almost everything they make to diverse people, right? You look at a couple of those brands and you see where they have shifted and gone over the last year and a half. And you see that you have a voice and that your voice is being heard. Um, and then, you know, if you combine that with the fact that you think about, you know, all of these folks who just, um, it's not just George Floyd or Breonna Taylor, the names we know, but all the names we don't know, right? And say, you know, all of that um, would be in vain if we all just say, hey, it's just too hard. Like we have to think about what that opening makes for us because there has never been a time in this country from my perspective where things have, we have more options and there's more possibility uh, for communities of color.
1: And Lisa, here's, here's a personal question. There used to be this saying that women couldn't have it all. So you couldn't have the great career and you couldn't have family. Can women have it all?
2: They can. Um, this, this, I, I give two sides to this. The first, I, I tell people all the time, and it goes back to this um, giving yourself grace there are times and my daughter's name is Grace, so when i think of that i always think of uh, uh, twofold um there are there are days um and there are weeks in fact when i am a was a superb ceo and more recently over the last couple of months just a, a rocking executive chairman the board meeting earnings. I can see things that are going on. I can see around corners for the CEO. I can manage the board. I'm really, really good. I'm on point. And those might be days where, you know, I'm I'm a mediocre mom, you know, maybe I forget snack, you know, there's all sorts of things. Um, uh, I don't send the college, uh, you know, forms in whatever the case may be. And there are other times when I'm just an amazing mom. And I know because my kids say, you're amazing mom, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you remembered that, you know, um, and and those are days when I I may not be on call 24 hours a day or I may miss a couple of emails and have to go back and et cetera, et cetera. And And you just have to give yourself the ability to have that balance. Um, and then also just know your strengths. I mean, it's it's a it's I think it might be a scientific fact, Louis. I don't know, but I would say it's a scientific fact. Women can multitask. You know, uh, women can um, really drive agendas, and they are uh, able to manage teams in a really unique um, uh, and wonderful way. Uh, but what that means is they also always put themselves last, whether that's mental health physical health, relaxation. Um, and I think one of the things that the two pandemics you mentioned have really uh, brought to the fore as we look at women, you know, leaving the workforce in, in droves, et cetera, is that women really are going to have to reprioritize and put themselves first in order for, you know, spouses and elder care and children and all of those other things um, to be taken care of. And I think that's been a positive outcome uh, from the pandemic but I go with so, yes. <laughs>
1: okay, you got it. We needed to hear that. <laughs> um, I always talk about people who've had waymakers, and you've mentioned Bill Kennard, you mentioned Bob, that they can't help but wanting to be a waymaker for someone else. Yeah. Do you believe that's true?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, go out of your way and see people and you see yourself in people. Um, and and absolutely. If you've had a true, uh, way maker or, 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 or two in your life, um, there's nothing you can do, but pay it forward. Absolutely. Believe that.
1: Thank you. So with that said, Lisa, what's the future hold for Lisa Wardell? All right, well, give us a give us give us a peek into
2: well, things you know, you're, you're doing. I, I will give you a bit of context for my transition from CEO to executive chairman because, first of all, I think it's a great story, but I think it's also instructive. So, I, um, as I mentioned, became CEO in 2016. Um, and relatively young for the public CEO role, I'm, I'm 52 now, so mid 40s. And um, I had a couple of internal successors, and I had one internal successor that I knew we were—he was ready—and we were going to le- lose him. And not only was he ready, uh, but he is a black man. And so, about gosh, almost 18 months ago now, I went to the board and I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting my fifth year here um, as CEO. And uh, I want to start the succession plan because part, you know, this is the Bob Johnson thing, right? Part of my legacy is I would like to have a diverse CEO take my place. And th- those don't come along every day. Um, and this is someone who had been my COO then for, for three years. So each and every day. Um, and so we worked on that. The board was very supportive. Um, he needed more PL experience. He got that over the last year or so. And then in August, we announced that I would move into the executive chair role uh, for about 12 months. I've been in it a couple months now. And Steve Beard would take over as the CEO. The third, I think he's number three now, black male CEO currently uh, as uh, Ken Frazier and a couple of others have uh, moved to the executive chairman role. Um, and it was a wonderful thing. The first thing I got was a text from Bob Johnson saying, "That's how it's done, right?" So I was very, very proud of that. Um, but in the, the following couple of weeks, I started getting um, calls from people first saying, "Are you okay?" And I'm like, "Well, when when the k comes out and you see, you know, uh, the exact chair terms, yes, you'll know that I'm okay, um, and that it was this was in fact my idea. But also, you know, what's the super secret job you're going to? You know, can you tell me?" And I was like, no, I really don't have one. What I did was I stepped aside to make way for somebody and in addition, a black man to become a public company CEO. Right. Um, And I think if I was maybe, I don't know, 62 or 65, the great thing about being in the corporate world is the 50s, like young, you're so young, Mm -hmm. (laughs) nowhere else. My kids are like, you're so old. Um, But, um, you know, people just really didn't believe that I had done that. I was like, I absolutely did that um, because it was the right thing to do. And it was the right time for me. And I had done everything that I needed to do to turn and around. around. Um, and so the, the short answer is, I'm not sure yet. Um, obviously my roots are private equity. I think I've got another run in me. I learned a lot um, being the CEO of uh, you know, a couple billion dollar uh, company. And so I think I've got a lot of skills to add. Um, uh, but right now I'm having fun being the exec chair. I tell the story. Uh, in Washington, uh, on the Hill, I just joined the board of American Express, which is re- a really fun and great board. I love FinTech and, and financial services. So we'll see. But what I would say is, um, you know, if you're at a point where either, you know, the, the the timing is right for somebody else and you know that you've got the tools you need to do the next step, do it, don't wait. Um, but then also know that in this Uh, you know, the corporate has changed so much. Um, It is it is a place where now, um, you know, you can interview your future employees that you can make sure that your employers, you can make sure that you're going to a place that's going to work for you and that you're bringing to your point the best self. Because what I do know after being at Ad Talum and running Ad Talum is I have to go somewhere where there's a mission. Um, where there's a real diversity and inclusion imperative, not just one on a shiny piece of paper and where I can make a difference. Um, and so, yeah, I'm taking calls on those three things.
1: <laughs> well, one last question. Talk about the work in regards to what you just said that you're doing with Ron Williams. I know uh, I spoke to Ron and you know he's a huge supporter of yours. Uh, so talk about that work that you guys are doing to create yes. opportunities.
2: And it, it ties right back into your um, being a way maker. First of all, Ron is is fabulous. If you haven't read his book, um, def, definitely pick it up. I, I read it, the name is escaping me and out leadership. Learning yeah. to lead. Learning to lead, thank you. Uh, but I mean, it's, a, it's a fabulous book. His and Ursula Burns, great reads, um, uh, just, just fabulous. And you know, there, there's two places where Ron, myself, Ursula, others feel that we can be helpful. To, um, to, to black uh, corporate America, basically. And what Ron is doing is he is helping train those um, uh, leaders who are the next CEOs, of public companies, of public or private, but 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 large companies. Um, it, 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 he has a has a group and he asks us to come in and sort of talk about what are those things that are different um, about uh, being the CEO, even if you've been in a real, uh, a really executive, high-powered executive C-suite job for a while. Um, he's got a great program. Uh, people give their time, Ken Chenault, Ursula Burns, I mean, you know, just just if Ken Frazier Uh, people who are you know we all know and have followed their careers um, to really give advice and so that's that's one piece and then the other is of course boards Um, how do you get board ready Uh, boards are much more accepting of uh, folks who are not sitting CEOs which I think is the right thing to do I put four women on my board in my tenure none of whom they've never been on a public company board some of the best uh, board members we have and so uh, I work on both of those things with Ron he is a legend um, in terms of giving back, he will give time, and he will give energy, and he will give resources. Um, and we, we are we are so lucky to have him in our community.
1: Well, Lisa, thank you so much. Uh, our Waymaker audience is going to love this. Uh, we appreciate your candidness, and we appreciate your authenticity
0: and your best self.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks, Lewis. Good to
0: see you. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation between Lewis Carr and Lisa Wardell. What did you enjoy about this episode? Let us know on our social media at Waymaker Culture. Don't forget to claim your first six months of the Waymaker Journal free at waymakerjournal.com. And be sure to enter the Waymaker giveaway by going to waymakercontest.com. Subscribe to the Waymaker Fireside Chat Podcast to get notifications each time we release an episode.